0: Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from first generation rancher Brooke Hickel from Eamon Claw, Washington. Brooke, along with her husband and three boys, own and operate Rocking Bar H Ranch, which is a Red Angus seed stock operation that you'll learn all about in today's episode. But before we get to today's episode with Brooke, let's go over the review of the week. The review of the week comes from Brandy Lynn via Apple Podcast, and this five-star rating and review says, a continual learning experience. Every episode I listen to, I learn something new whether it's about homesteading, ranching, dairy, etc. I love the diversity and the fact that it's all about bringing the egg community together and bringing awareness to the industry. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much, Brandy, for your kind rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. I would like to encourage you guys to leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. Not only will you hear your kind words read on an upcoming episode of the podcast, but you'll also help others find the show. And the more we get these incredible stories of women in agriculture out there, the better I say. And friends, be sure to stay tuned to the end of Brooke's interview for a special message from me. And without further ado, let's get to today's episode with Brooke. Hi, Brooke. How are you? Hi there, Caitlin. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing so good. Thank you so much for joining me on the Rural Woman podcast today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to talk to you, Brooke, and I'm so excited for my listeners to get to know you a little bit better. For my listeners who are unfamiliar with who Brooke Hickel is, please give us a little bit of information about who you are and where you're from.
1: Alrighty. Well, my name is Brooke Hickel, and um, I live with my husband, Keith, and our three sons just outside of Enumclaw, Washington. Uh, we're in western Washington state, actually less than 30 miles out of Seattle. And uh, my husband, Keith, and I are first-generation ranchers. So a little bit of background on Keith and I. Uh, when we met, he told me that he wanted to raise his family on a farmer ranch And I thought it sounded like a great idea. (laughs) So I just pretty much went along with it. We got married in 1997 when he was 23 and I was 21. We were just babies. And right away, we just began working towards saving up to make that dream come true, even though we didn't really know what that dream looked like. Uh, We didn't have an exact vision for the direction that it would go. Um, But over the years, God showed us what it looked like, and he still continues to show us every day.
0: Did either of you have any background in agriculture before you decided that you wanted to start a ranch?
1: Keith and I had very little background in agriculture before we decided that this was what we wanted to do. Uh, When he was in high school, he milked for a local dairy farm, so he had a bit of exposure to it. Uh, The area that we live in, uh, the city of Enumclaw, is uh, well used to be known as a dairy farming community. It's definitely growing into more of a suburban area now. Uh, but there were lots of local dairy farms when he was younger. So he did have some exposure that way. Both Keith and I grew up on small properties, a couple of acres. I think he grew up on two or three acres. I grew up on five acres. We had just a handful of animals. So we had a little exposure to probably, I guess I would say small farm life, but nothing bigger than that.
0: So you guys were very much newbies then. (laughs)
1: very much newbies.
0: (laughs) So what year did you start ranching then?
1: So after we got married in 97, uh, like I said, we we just started working toward uh, that dream, not knowing what it was going to be. And over the next uh, several years, I guess I would say up until 2005, um, well, we started just with a few horses, of course. Keith was a team roper. And then we Gained a few cows along the way, and we had a small commercial herd of probably, I would say 12 to 15 cows. And then in 2005, we made the transition from those random breeds of commercial cows to our first small Red Angus herd.
0: Hey all, we'll get right back to our episode after a word from our sponsor. Nestled in the tree-filled mountains by Kootenay Lake in Nelson, British Columbia, KL Skin Naturals was founded in 2013 by owner Leah. KL Skin Naturals is known for their award-winning natural deodorant that I have personally been using since early 2017. And I can tell you from personal experience, it passes the farming test. You know what I'm talking about. I feel good knowing that the deodorant that I'm using is free from harsh chemicals and scents. All of their products are produced by hand from the very first measure to the very last label. Each recipe was worked, researched, perfected, and tested on family and friends who all agree that there's something unique to be offered in the effective products that Leah is making. Listeners of the Rural Woman podcast can save 10% off their order with promo code WILDROSE10. So head on over to klskindeodorant.com to choose from their wide selection of clean-scented natural deodorants, plus other natural skincare products such as fresh aloe skin cream, foot butters, and more. And now, back to our episode... So 2005, I guess, would be your first official. Yes, I would say uh, 2005 is when we bought
1: our first 10 Red Angus mama cows. It was September of 2005. And then we picked up 10 more in January of 2006. So uh, you could say that our original herd consisted of 20 Red Angus cows that calved in 2006.
0: That's great. What made you guys decide to go with Red Angus? To be honest, uh, I let that decision be entirely up to
1: Keith. Um, he did a lot of research on cattle. And like I said, primarily, well, initially I was just really along for the ride, like, oh, this sounds like a really great idea. I'm, you know, kind of a yes person. And um I didn't even know what seed stock cattle were. I didn't know what purebred cattle were any different from commercial cattle when we first got started. And so Like I said, we went from a small commercial herd to the purebred Red Angus so that we would be uh, raising and selling seed stock. And as Keith was researching uh, ranching operations, he just kept coming back to the seed stock operations. The seed stock operations were interesting to Keith because it was a little more detailed uh, than a commercial operation. And so he liked the complexity of it. And in researching breeds, Red Angus just kept coming back as like the up and coming breed. I mean, they're, you know, they're genetically just like a Black Angus, which is, of course, the most popular breed and uh, the top beef breed. And he liked the idea of something that was just a little bit different. And the traits that the Red Angus are known for primarily their docility, uh, they're known as just fantastic mama cows. Uh, great maternal traits. That was what ultimately led us to go the direction of Red Angus.
0: For the listeners who don't know, and I am semi included in this, <laughs> can you give us a brief brief description of what is a seed stock?
1: What yes. does that mean? Yes, because this is something I didn't know at first either. Uh, commercial cattlemen are raising and selling. Uh, the end product, the beef product. They take their animals to market and those animals are harvested and uh, become the beef that we're purchasing in the stores. A seed stock operation is raising top quality genetics. Um, our bulls are sold to commercial cattlemen. So um, we're kind of doing the work behind the scenes that when you hear the words beef producer, you are just thinking of the finished product. You're not thinking of the high quality genetics that need to go into producing uh, the beef. So that's what we do. We raise the bulls that are then sold to other purebred breeders as well as commercial cattlemen.
0: That's great. Thank you for explaining that to me. Like you I said, bet. that's you hear things like this, like seed stock operation or right. cattle producer and that kind of stuff. And There's so many of these definitions that if off the cusp, you're just talking to somebody and Meanwhile, other people are sitting there like, what does that actually mean?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. You know, I love sharing that information. I love sharing all of the information that was just brand new to me not long ago as well. Uh, One of those being what a seed stock operation even is or what we do. So it's really fun to share that side of the story uh, because our animals are, are not directly being produced for beef. They are being produced for the genetics that will produce good beef.
0: Absolutely. So Brooke, tell us more about your ranch story. You said back in 2005 you started your seed stock operation. Yes. Where are we today in 2019? <laughs> well, it, um it's been a pretty um it's been a pretty full,
1: I can't even believe uh, 14 years. Uh when Keith and I This is going to be long. Do you want me just to, (laughs) I'll tell you the whole thing and then you can, uh, you you can edit out whatever you don't want. You do not have to share all of this. Nope. You tell Uh, the whole thing. I love it. Okay. See, in 2005, we bought an old dairy farm and we had plans of remodeling and fixing up this place and selling it to continue to make more money to fulfill the goal of becoming a full-scale ranch operation. So when we bought this place in 2005, Clay was five years old, our oldest son, Cole was three years old, and Carson was not yet born. And uh, this place was an old dairy farm. We bought it with the intention of starting our cattle herd here, um, tearing down the old house that was on the property, rebuilding a house, and selling the place that would help us to move to an area uh, probably better suited for ranching. Anyways, we completed the house here in 2007. And shortly after that, the market crashed. So we ended up with kind of a big fancy to us house that we had not planned on living in. And um, now three little boys and this small red Angus herd that we were trying to grow. So anyway, we kind of uh, scraped along for the next several years. I worked for my dad's construction company. Keith was doing uh, construction work on the side, we were continuing to try to buy and sell places so that we could make enough money to become poor ranchers someday. And um, the economy really just kind of slowed down progress for us. And so we truly just scraped by for several years. We ended up having the opportunity to um, purchase a local construction company in 2010, which we did. And shortly after that, Keith began... um, having strange health symptoms that we couldn't figure out so the end of 2010 and into the beginning of 2011 for us was a very interesting time because keith had rapidly declining health and no answers and here we were trying to kind of grow this ranch operation the best that we could in an area that wasn't well suited to ranching operations and uh, just scrape by on this piece of property in this house that was really intended uh, to sell years before that. So in March of 2011, Keith was diagnosed with a rare autoimmune disease called Wegener's granulomatosis. And um, from the time that he was diagnosed really until toward the end of 2011, his health just continued to decline. He was kind of out of commission until about 2012. So by the grace of God, we just continued to kind of scrape by. Keith got some amazing um, medical help through the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota, and he began to regain health in 2012. And at the same time, uh, the construction company we had purchased in 2010, things began to pick back up as his health got better. And so really from 2012 forward, we kind of started from the ground up once again, and we've continued to Uh, grow our Red Angus herd. For us, uh, quality has been more important than quantity because we're a seed stock operation. Uh, We also began hay farming and doing custom hay work for local farmers. And a lot of the purpose behind that was because we knew that our oldest son, Clay, had an interest in farming and we wanted to make this operation something that our boys could eventually take over if they chose to. So... Since that time, the Red Angus herd has continued to grow, and I would say even more than grow, improve. Our custom hay operation has grown. We also produce our own hay and more recently have begun um, selling hay that we haul over from the eastern side of the state. And over this past year, I've also opened up an online ranch goods store. So uh, for us, I think the key of being a first-generation ranch is figuring out how to diversify and make it work.
0: Well, you have absolutely diversified. And it seems (laughs) like everybody has kind of their own thing going on on the ranch for you. And I think think that's beautiful to have your whole family have kind of their own kind of piece of it that makes Mm -hmm. up Rocking Bar H Ranch. So that's great, Brooke. Thank you. Hey, have you been over to shop Wild Rose Farmer lately? There are so many new great t-shirts, tank tops, stickers, and more. There's even official Rural Woman podcast gear now, including great t-shirts and hats. Feel good knowing when you're shopping on Shop Wild Rose Farmer, you directly support the Rural Woman podcast. And don't forget, members of the Wild Rose Farmer community save 20% off their first purchase. So head on over to wildrosefarmer.com for all of the details and happy shopping, y'all. So what does a typical day look like for you on your ranch?
1: Well, because we're bivocational, our days are split between managing the construction company that we still own and the ranching operation. Uh, So truly, no day really looks the same for us. I tend to break it up more into seasons because that seems to best summarize our work. So for us, calving season is January through March. We breed beginning in April and then hay season begins in May and it wraps up in early October which overlaps with weaning and shipping calves out in the fall. And then November and December appear to be quiet on the outside. But during that time, our equipment is being maintenanced, barns are being cleaned, our cows are out at least pastures and they're being managed and fed until they'll come back uh, the first of the year for calving season. And we also wrap up all of our financial work for the year. And honestly, after we come off of a busy hay season, I feel like we're catching up on absolutely everything in the fall <laughs> through the end of the year. And all of that while our construction company is running year-round.
0: That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> I I know for me personally, I follow you on Instagram, and I love following you. And it's always like, what is Brooke up to today? Because it never (laughs) seems like it's the same thing for very long, ever.
1: (laughs) It, It is not. We truly run many directions. And, you know, I just thank God for giving us the energy to do it. Because I don't feel like it's by our own ability. It's not by our own strength that we're that we're able to run like we do. And we just feel so grateful for The opportunities that he's continued to give us, even through some really challenging times. And so, really, just it's a joy to get to run as hard as we do, and we're going to do it as long as we can.
0: (laughs) I love it. Did you ever think growing up that this is what you were going to do with your life? Oh, my. Definitely not.
1: Definitely not. I remember my mom saying to me when I was in high school, um, I always had um, an interest in building design and construction. My dad owned a construction company. And so that was always an interest to me. And for many years, I thought I was going to be an architect. And then when I found out how many years of college I would have to go to, to become an architect, I decided, nope, that's not for me. But home design was always, was always just really a big thing to me. I always drew home plans when I was a little kid. And, um, so my mom would say to me, I can see you, you know, moving to downtown Seattle and becoming a designer. Like I remember those words coming from her. I don't really see you ever having a family or having kids. I can see you being a business person. <laughs> and what a change. So no, I would have I would have never guessed that I would be where I am right now that we would be where we are doing what we do and specifically even the area that we live in being less than 30 miles from Seattle, north to south. We are about midway between Seattle and Tacoma, just out towards the foothills at the base of Mount Rainier. So we are in an unusual area to be doing what we do. Uh, beef cattle ranching is not popular here. And even in my you know visions of the future, if I had pictured that we would be ranching, it would not have been doing what we do right here. But on the other hand, it's such a joy to get to do what we do here because we're so close to people in the big city and people in suburban areas. And I love the connection to those people because it's so outside the box for what most people around here are used to.
0: Absolutely, and you have the connection, like you said, to the big city. But you also have that escape where you can run away from it all and be in your own oasis. Absolutely, I
1: am so thankful to be right here where we are. We do all of our work out of our home. Our construction company is ran out of our home. All of our ranch operation is ran right here, here out of our place. So this week, my guys are gone hunting, and I. Cannot remember the last time that I don't know if I've ever been home without anybody else being home. <laughs> um, so it's been a busy week, but also
0: strangely uh, quiet to not have the house
1: just running full speed like it usually is.
0: Well, I hope you take some time and put your feet up and like have some <laughs> popcorn or wine or whatever it is that Thank you, you love you. And just take Thank a breath. You. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. So. Like I mentioned before, I follow you on social media and I absolutely just love your positive energy and your laugh and all of the things you share on social media, especially your barn kitties that apparently (laughs) Keith doesn't like. I don't know why, but (laughs) it's
1: it's just a joke for us because, um, you know, he he doesn't like well. I shouldn't even say this publicly. Like Keith isn't a cat hater; he just does not love cats. <laughs> and so, the first time that I took a video of the cats, he saw it, and it, this is great. Like he watches my Instagram stories, and you know, gives me feedback, which I really love. Um, but the first time he saw it, the kittens, he's like, "Brooke, but like people don't want to see the kittens. I mean, we're not a cat ranch." <laughs> In the same day, I had so many people respond to the little kitty videos. And I had grandmas and moms saying that their little kids were watching the kittens. And would I show more? And so it's just an ongoing joke now because I'm always showing the kitties. And Keith is like, oh, my gosh, enough already. We're a cattle ranch, not a cat ranch. (laughs) I have the best
0: idea for a t-shirt for you that I will share with you after the show and you will make millions for it. Yay, <laughs> and, awesome. Keith, and Keith will be so mad at me.
1: <laughs> I love it. It's great. Honestly, he's, he's got a great sense of humor. So he just rolls along with everything that I do. <laughs> that's awesome.
0: Have you been loving the Rural Woman podcast? Are you wondering how you can support the show? Well, friend, I'm happy to announce that I've recently joined Patreon. What is Patreon? Well, it's a membership-based platform that provides a simple way for you to contribute to the Rural Woman Podcast every month and get exclusive rewards in return. Memberships start as low as $2 a month. Seriously, that's less than your grande, skinny, extra hot caramel macchiato with whip. Wondering what the rewards are? Well, they include promo codes for Shop Wild Rose Farmer, draws for the Rural Woman Podcast merchandise, shout-outs on the show, and more. Your financial support of the Rural Woman podcast will help make it possible for the stories of women in agriculture to continue to be shared. So head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to find out more information about how you can become a patron through Patreon. So on the topic of social media, mm-hmm. I know there are times where as women in agriculture, are is comparison. Women in general, I think there's just comparison through everything. There are people that can see you or another person on social media and they can see that maybe they're doing something different on their farm or ranch and maybe they have that feeling of they're not enough. So what advice would you give to a woman in egg that has that feeling that they aren't enough?
1: Oh man, this is such, this is such a great topic. And even though I'm smiling all the time, this is so incredibly serious to me. Um, I think that self-doubt is really something that most of us struggle with on some level. I mean, even those of us that are laughing and smiling and confident, you know, we, we mostly all deal with self-doubt on some level. And so I think first of all, it's remembering daily and just being thankful daily for the gifts that God has given you. He's gifted us in all of us in different ways. And because we're all gifted differently um we need to remember not to compare ourselves to one another um our very connected world through social media is a real blessing but we really have to keep in mind how we manage it and how we take that in what we watch on social media is optional and so if we find ourselves comparing and feeling down because we're not as good as the woman that we're watching or following maybe we just need to step back maybe we just need to turn her off and that um I think that's a little bit heavy, um, and a little bit blunt, but I think that it's true because if we're really feeling consumed with self doubt and, and just having a hard time getting over it, we have to remember that, you know, everything that we're taking in on social media is our choice. And so choose to watch and follow the people who lift you up, um, you know, who don't make you feel down. Um, but at the same time, just constantly remembering that God gifted each of us differently. And so uh, yesterday I had our nephew Blake with me all day and it brought me back to the days of my boys being young and feeling like, oh my gosh, I literally did nothing today. I mean, I I folded a load of laundry and I made dinner. That was I, like, that was a fantastic success of a day sometimes. And so depending on our stage of life, we can really feel like we're not enough, like we're not doing enough, like we're stuck here and we're not making a difference in the world. And yet we are. Um, I was putting on my socks yesterday and Blake is 14 months old and he was watching me put on my socks. And I thought to myself, my goodness, I didn't notice this when my kids were little, but our little ones are watching each and every little thing and big thing that we do. And they're learning from that. And we don't see the the value in what we're teaching our kids sometimes when they're little and we see the outside world going on so quickly around us. So I think that just remembering that God made us all different and, you know, constantly reminding ourselves not to compare ourselves to one another, but uh, to be encouraged by others. And if we're not feeling encouraged, if we're feeling down and not good enough, then, you know, it's okay. Just turn it off. So, yeah,
0: <laughs> I agree with you. I think, like you said, it's optional. We don't need to see what is not making us feel good. And right, if you're comparing yourself, yeah, it's it's just it's not good for anybody. And like I know personally, if anybody ever felt like that towards me, I wouldn't want oh. them to watch me, see or look at anything. Right.
1: That is me too. Absolutely. I mean, I think the same thing. And just like I said about you know Annabelle earlier getting to watch the people that we can connect with and relate to and that make us laugh and that help us, um, to just see that we all have struggles. I mean, those are the people that I truly enjoy following. And the minute that my mind starts to go towards self-doubt or not feeling good enough, I just have to turn it off because it really is optional.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And for the listeners, as we always talk about Annabelle Morgan, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Brooke and I were chatting about our friend Annabelle before we hit record, and uh, like I said to you before, Book, you are one of the most positive influences I personally follow on social media. So I always just want to thank you for being oh. a positive light and being so positive about just agriculture in general. Um, thank you. It it really it brings a light to sometimes a dark place on social media. So it's oh, thank
1: you. I I truly appreciate that. I always. I always hope that people will not feel like less of because, because of anything that I'm saying or doing, um, you know, just because Brooke has a big giant smile on her face, you know, God blessed me with a constant smile. Like it, it's not something that I, (laughs) it's funny, my son Carson and I both, um, just smile all the time. And I just feel like, wow, I, that's, that's a gift from God. Like it's, it's not me doing that. And so I always want people to know that, um, you know, that I'm real and that I make a ton of mistakes. And even occasionally people will say to me, wow, you get so much done during the day. And I mean, we, we truly are a performance based society, but, um, we shouldn't live our lives in a performance based sort of way. So, um, when I hear people say that, I just always want them to remember that I'm just a normal human. I don't run any faster. I don't do any better, um, I'm no different. Like I make mistakes all the time (laughs) and I have down times just as much as anybody else. But yet at the same time, I think it's a real great opportunity to get to share the positive message of what we do through our ranching operation and just the joy that God has brought into our lives on so many different levels with the world. So
0: I try to look at it as a great opportunity to hopefully bring some light to others. Absolutely. Brooke, what are some of the lessons that you have learned as a first generation rancher?
1: Well, I would say the biggest lesson I've learned is that it's hard, (laughs) but then life is hard. Running another business, uh, both Keith and I working full-time for our construction company plus full-time on the ranch, Uh, we literally don't stop as people uh, that follow us on social media see. And even before we got to this point, before we bought the place we live now, before we bought our first Red Angus we were both working full time jobs for my dad's construction company. We were buying and remodeling and selling houses on the side to build up enough money to start a ranch. So um, it's hard. <laughs> uh, in the purebred cattle business, it takes time to build a reputation that people trust. That just doesn't happen overnight. And it doesn't matter whether you go into the purebred cattle business with a ton of money and you buy the best animals to start or if you're starting from scratch relationships and trust just take time there's no way of getting around that Um, we're not selling a steer at the market and getting you know whatever the fair market prices we're selling genetics to people that are going to be depending on that for the livelihood of their own operation and so the time and relationships that it takes in the purebred business is something unique and different and definitely difficult but also worth it Like I said, being a first generation is hard. Uh, You do things wrong before you do them right. But then again, I feel like that really is just a metaphor for life. Life is hard, but it's worth doing.
0: Absolutely. We live on big spreads and tiny homesteads, farms, ranches, and everywhere in between. Neighbors separated by barbed wire fences and gravel roads, divided by section lines and field boundaries. We are wives and mothers, husbands and fathers, producers and consumers, held together by the threads of history and love. Here in these vast, wide open places, we answer the call of caregivers to the land, the animals, and our families with open hearts and willing hands. The miles of gravel and pavement between our homes can make the isolation of rural life feel insurmountable. Sometimes we struggle to reach out and ask for help, even though we never pause when one of our own needs our support. We come together in times of crisis and in times of joy. We celebrate together when the markets are up and hold each other together when the world falls apart. We support each other's families from the sidelines and in the trenches. We show up for each other, operating equipment, working cattle, cooking meals, and offering a shoulder to cry on when there's nothing else we can do. We may get knocked down, but together we get back up and carry on. We are fighters who never back down from a challenge or allow obstacles to stop us in our tracks. When the going gets tough we rally we rise from the ashes of heartbreak because this life is in our blood and it is part of our soul though we are proud of our independence and our strength we know that together we can overcome challenges we can't handle alone introducing rally a charitable campaign aiming to bring agriculture together the agricultural industry is like no other farmers and ranchers are truly the eternal optimists We work against the clock and the elements on a daily basis. We stand alone in our fields and come together in need. The rally campaign was built for this purpose, to stand together and to support one another. We are the faces of agriculture, no matter the size of our operations. We stand united whether we're conventional or organic, grass or grain finished, big egg or small farm. We're all in this together. The Rally Campaign is a fundraising effort to provide funds for selected agricultural organizations. From now until the end of March 2020, funds raised through the Rally Campaign will be donated to the Do More Agricultural Foundation, who is a not-for-profit organization focused on mental health in agriculture across Canada, and the Ability Project, whose mission is to enhance the quality of life for farmers, ranchers, and other agricultural workers with disabilities so they, their families, and their communities can continue to succeed in rural America. Purchase your Rally Campaign t-shirt over at Shop Wild Rose Farmer, with $4 of the proceeds being equally split between these two worthy organizations. For more information about the Rally Campaign, head on over to WildRoseFarmer.com slash rally. And Brooke, my final question for you. What is the most rewarding part about being a rancher for you? Without a doubt, the most
1: rewarding part of being a rancher for us is the lifestyle that it's given our family. Uh, As I said, we're only about 30 miles from Seattle. So we're very close to the big city. We're very close to lots of suburban areas. And there are very few families in ag in our area So when I get to see how my boys' time is often spent in comparison to most kids, I'm just so thankful for it. And I know that it's not the life for everyone, that not everyone would be happy doing what we're doing. Um, But God just reminds me all the time through watching my family that this was definitely the right choice for
0: us. I love it. Thank you so much, Brooke, for sharing your story and egg with us.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: For my listeners who would like to stay in contact with you after the show, where can they find you?
1: They can find me on Instagram mostly, our ranch account, Rocking Bar H Ranch, or my personal account, Brooke Hickle. I use Rocking Bar H Ranch to best tell the story of our entire uh, ranching operation and to try to tell the story of our whole family. I use my personal account, Brooke Hickle, to share a little bit more of my own personal life, both on the ranch and off the ranch. They can also find us. Um, our website is rockingbarh.com or our ranch goods store, shop.rockingbarh.com. We're also on Facebook, fairly new to YouTube. And I think that's about it. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. I will make sure to put all of those links in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you. Thank you. Well, friends, I think you could agree with me. I don't think we could have ended this year off with a better guest than Brooke Hickel. So thank you so much, Brooke, for sharing your story, your wisdom, and your light with all of us. I wanted to take a minute to say a big thank you to everyone before signing off for 2019. The Rural Women Podcast will be taking a short break over the holidays, but we will be back in 2020 with brand new episodes sharing the incredible stories of women in agriculture. I wanted to start off by thanking the women who have trusted me to share their stories through the podcast and helping spread the good word of agriculture. We might not all farm, ranch, or homestead the same, but I think it's a beautiful thing that we can all come together and to support one another just the same. I also wanted to thank the members over on Patreon, Amanda, Annabelle, Bev, Bill, Kelsey, Kylie, Leyland, Malia, Molly, Shannon, Sherry, Shyla, and Tiffany for their financial support of the show. Recording, editing, producing, and promoting each episode takes time, effort, and money, and without your support, I wouldn't be able to do any of it. If you are a fan of the show and would like to ensure the stories of women in agriculture continue to be shared through the Rural Woman podcast, I would ask that you please consider becoming a patron through Patreon. I honestly can't do this podcast without the financial support of my patrons. So thank you again so much. I also wanted to say thank you to the ladies over in the Rural Women Podcast community group on Facebook for being in community with me. Our group has seen some great growth as well as support for one another over the last couple of months, and I want to say thank you for being there. As we know, this lifestyle can be isolating sometimes, but coming together in this small way can make it seem a little less lonely. So thank you again for being a part of this community. Last but certainly not least, I want to thank you, the listener of the World Woman podcast. Thank you for making time for me and my guests each week to share our stories with you. As I mentioned before, no two stories are alike, and I think that's what makes the World Woman podcast so special. Thank you for listening with open hearts and open minds. I hope you are able to feel inspired and relate to these stories. But most importantly, I hope you find courage to share your own story in agriculture, whether that be through social media, community groups and beyond. Each and every one of our stories matter. You matter. Thank you for being here. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. I want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas, a happy holiday season, and I wish nothing but the best for you and yours in the new year. We'll see you all back here on the Rural Woman podcast in 2020. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman podcast. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at wildrosefarmer. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.